You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. Okay, so salt and light. Let's, let's, begin, let's begin right here with, with the scripture from Matthew chapter 5. Um, and uh, this is where we get this whole salt and light idea. It's, it's what Jesus said in verse 13 through, I, I think that's actually 13 through 16. It says, uh, Jesus is speaking, says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its savor, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. So we've, we've talked a little bit about salt, and we're really going to use the analogy more in light today. In light, thinking about this, here's, here's the big word today for this message. Truth. Truth. Why truth? Um, you know, really... You know, I, I know all the things I'm going to say, but, but why, why truth? I know, I know all the stuff I'm going to say in this sermon, but why, why are we preaching on truth? And, and let, me, let me just say to you, here's why this is so important. The things that I'm about to share with you today, here's why these things are so important. is because truth is one of the greatest commodities that the church has. You know, because if, if we don't have the truth to give, we don't have a whole lot. Now, now how many of you would be excited to come every Sunday morning and listen to a preacher preach that has a problem with the truth. You know, how many of you really want to hear, hear that preacher? You know, it's like we, we want to hear preachers that have passion, right? We want a pastor. I mean, most people want a pastor that's got a little bit of passion, but passion cannot compensate for a lack of truth. And, and if that's the way you feel about me, then how does the world also feel about a church, about Christians? You know, if we don't have truth and we aren't exemplifying truth, it doesn't matter what else we're trying to do. There at the end of that where Jesus says, so let your good deeds also shine out for all to see. So, you know, you, you know your good deeds, if they don't line up with the truth that is in you, I mean, you can do all the good deeds in the world, but if you're letting untruths hinder that light from shining people aren't going to see those good deeds they're going to say yeah he does a lot of good stuff but all that other thing so truth is important because it is one of our greatest commodities as christians if we're going to reach people this it's like last last week that sermon that i preached last week very controversial subject but you know what, I want, one of the things I wanted you to get, I, I, wanted, I wanted us to say the things that need to be said, but one of the things I also wanted you to get out of that is that your pastor's not going to bring to you just a few things that he thought about this week. I wanted you to see, I, I, I wanted to be very careful to not preach to you my truth, not preach to you the world's truth, but to preach to you the truth. I wanted you to understand that. I wanted you, I wanted you to get that because that's important. Something I said last week that I said in the first week, so I'm repeating this again and again, okay, is this, is we cannot allow what we feel to change what we know. We have to learn, we have to learn, we have to dig, we have to find the truth, and once we know the truth, we have to hold on to it with everything we've got and not let other things destroy the truth that is within us and I know most of us don't need to hear a sermon about lying or telling the truth 
You know, I, I know we heard that sermon in kids' church, right? Those of you who grew up in church. Or you heard that sermon, you know, uh, in some other way from your parents. We don't, you don't necessarily need to hear a sermon about lying or telling the truth. I'm not talking necessarily about that, but yeah, if you've got a problem with that, yeah, we do need to start there maybe. But I really want to talk, because I think we don't, we're not struggling there with purposefully misrepresenting truth or purposefully choosing something besides truth, but in the unintentional ways that we sometimes allow things that aren't complete truth to take root, to, uh, to, to become a part of our thought process or even our heart and, and sometimes come out of our mouth. So there are three things I want to talk to you, three areas I want to talk to you about. Very, I mean, really examples for today. I mean, it's about really where we're living today, okay? So this might be really just in the middle of your business today, okay? But that's where we're going. Three areas, and we're going to wrap it up with a why, why we're talking about truth, okay? So here's the first one. Is if we hope, if we hope to have any impact with the world, if we hope to, if we hope to reach our community, if we hope to reach the people around us, we are going to have to be dealing with, dealing with real truth and not popular truth. You know what popular truth is? Popular truth is, well, what's popularity? I mean, what's popular changes, right? And we've already defined in this sermon series that, that truth is something that never changes. We well, you know clothing styles change, hairstyles change, music styles change, all of that changes. And so if our truth is a popular truth, it's going to change. It's, that, means, that means the truth that is today is not the same truth it was 10 years ago, and it's going to be different 10 years from now. That's not doing anybody any good. That's not what truth is. There's no such thing really as popular truth, but that's kind of what I want to title it so you get what I'm talking about. Let me show it to you a little bit in this story. Just a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, maybe even this past week, I read, I read an article out of, from GQ magazine. All right, so let me first of all say, I do not subscribe to GQ magazine, okay? I, don't, I, I know, I, I know you're probably, some of you are looking at me and say, yeah, we can tell you don't subscribe to GQ. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't subscribe, so I, I don't read a lot of articles in GQ magazine. Someone sent this to me in an email, and, uh, and there was this article in GQ magazine they wanted me to read, you know, and, and there, was, there was something about it that they wanted me to get. And a lot of times I don't read those, you know, because, because you know, sometimes it's depressing, some of the stuff you read. Well, this one, here, here's, here's what the article is about. It was a list of books that you don't have to read. Okay, and it's, it, it was books that, that you would assume, you know, everybody's got to read these books. Like there are certain books, you know, growing up and in high school, you know, junior high that you need to read. You know, maybe even in elementary, I think there was one I'd say is probably an elementary book that you, you don't have to read. That's what this guy was saying. And in this list was the Bible. Now, a lot of times I see someone saying something like that. I don't even read it because it's like, I don't want to listen to that. But there was something about it that made me say, no, I need to, I need to read and see where this guy's coming from, what this guy's saying. So I read it. And there's a little paragraph about why you don't have to read the Bible. And I noticed two things when I was reading this article, two things that I want to share with you about this real quick. Is the first one is that this guy was really just repeating some critiques they had, he had heard from other people about the Bible. He was saying some of the same old time-worn critics, uh, what critics have said about the Bible for years and years and years and years. There was nothing in his explanation of why you don't need to read the Bible that led me to believe he had ever even opened the Bible. So if that's true, 
then what he was doing is he was spouting popular truth. He was not actually giving us truth about why you don't need to read the Bible. He was just saying some things he had heard other people say. That's like popular truth, which isn't really truth at all. And here's the second thing that I noticed because I read through some of the others because I saw some of those other books. I thought, really? <laughs> You're telling, telling us that we don't need to make our kids read that book, that book, and those, those kinds of things, that they don't need to read those in school? And so as I, as I read through them, you know what I found out is I found out that's the way he did just about every one of these books. It's like, it's like the frivolous reasons, the innocuous reasons he was throwing out for why you don't need to read this book. And then he would make a suggestion of a different book that you could read for that. And, you know, then I, then I thought of the, how, how ludicrous it was, how crazy it was that a guy who was writing an article for a periodical, you know what a periodical is, right, a magazine? You know what a periodical is, right? It's something that kind of comes and goes. <laughs> There's another one next month. Another one the next month. It's like this one set aside. So a guy who writes an article for a periodical is going to throw questions out there about all of these time-honored books, including the Bible. And I think, how crazy we are. You know, see, if I could, I'd add one more to his list. I'd say you don't need to read GQ magazine. <laughs> Because, I mean, if a, if a periodical is going to challenge us, it's like how, how, how crazy it is. And I wonder, you know, I kind of wondered how many people actually read that article, but I did want to open it up again and give him another click on it. I didn't want him to get another hit on it and him thinking, man, all these people read I didn't want to give him another one of those because I thought the article was, the article was crazy. The article was crazy. Where, where, where do we get truth? From pop, popular opinion? Now, we've already read the Scripture before. Let's read it again today. John chapter 8. Verse 31 and 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We're set free by truth, the truth that we know, that we have found in Christ. That's what that's saying there. If you stay in my teachings, you follow my teachings, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we are set free by the truth that we know that we have discovered through Christ's teachings. That's where truth came from. And as Christians, this is what we believe. And so we, as Christians, we have, to, we have to work hard to maintain these truths that we learn. We have to work hard to make sure that we're not allowing popularity, popular truth and popular opinion and all that kind of stuff, that we are not allowing those things to invade the truth that we know in our heart. Don't let what you feel change what you know. Even if it's somebody that you've got a lot of confidence in, don't let what they make you feel change what you know. We've got to stick with real truth. Okay, here's, here's, the, here's the second one. If we're going to have impact, if we're going to be the light, then we've got to make sure that our light doesn't get hindered by not having the full truth. We've got to have full truth instead of half truth. Y'all ever known anybody that knew just enough truth to be dangerous? I've heard some of them preach before. And then sometimes I wonder if maybe I was one of them that I was a little dangerous because I knew just enough and I preached. And, and later I think, oh, there have been times that, oh, no, I, I, I can't believe I said that or whatever. So I may, sometimes maybe that's even me as well. Enough truth, just enough truth to be dangerous. J just knowing enough to just get on everybody instead of actually going to the root of and, and the reality of what's really there. Benjamin Franklin, uh, this is a quote, I don't know why, but this has just stuck with me for years and years and years. Benjamin Franklin said, half a truth, a half truth is often a great lie. Half of a truth is often a great lie. 
You know, I, growing up, I had a really good friend, and he had a, he had a, a lot of little quirky saying, little things that he used to say. And one of them was, which I didn't lie. You know, when he, when he would say that, it was like when he told his mom half the truth or he told, told the teacher at school half the truth, and maybe he'd tell me later, and he'd say, I told her so-and-so-and-so, and so, which I didn't lie. You know, but what he was doing is he was telling the half that he wanted them to know, but the half that would make them believe something that wasn't right. And lying, lying is not just what you say, it's what you try to get people to believe. You're still lying to people if you're, if you're deceiving them in that way. Okay, and see, so that, that, that's what he would say. Half the truth is often a great lie. So let, me, let me share with you just a place that I see this happening in our lives, okay? I told you this might be a little in your face, okay? But here's, let's, let's go with it. There's a good example, I think, in, uh, in one of the commercials that over the past uh, few years that we've had. Imagine, imagine this, okay? Um, your, your car needs the engine rebuilt. Okay, so you pick up the phone and you call the mechanic and, and the next day the mechanic shows up at your place and you know, they've got their record and they're going to pull it up on the record and you know, they're going to tra- on the trailer and they're going to take it off and, and you just happen to say, well, hey, how many engines have you actually rebuilt as a mechanic? And the guy says, well, I've not ever rebuilt an engine, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, right? And while I was having breakfast there this morning, I noticed in their lobby they had a little pamphlet on rebuilding engines, so I thought I'd read that before I came over here today. And then I was checking my Facebook feed to see what all my friends posted last night, and guess what? I came across a Facebook quiz, and I took that quiz, and believe it or not, I obviously have an aptitude for rebuilding engines, so I'm here to take your car. How many of you are going to let that car go with that mechanic, right? You're not going to do it, are you? You know, not, not because the guy read a pamphlet or studied the Holiday Inn Express or took, took an online Facebook quiz or something. You know, you're not going to let him rebuild your engine. But then I see us rebuilding our lives around stuff like that. We read an online article and rebuild our life around it. We, we take a Facebook quiz, you know, and, and we start saying, oh, yeah, that's who I am. So... Is that really what you, no, that's, that's not really the in-your-face one I was really talking about because I'm talking about, you know, our personality quizzes that we're using to just totally turn our lives upside down. Now, oh, Pastor, you, yeah, you no, know, I'm not going there exactly, but I'm going there. Pastor, you, you fixing a, you fixing a preach against love languages and Enneagram and Myers-Briggs and DISC. Now, hang on here. Go with me and see. I, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this, Okay. Because here's what a lot of people do, is they take that online quiz, and they read that one little paragraph that says, this is what it means if your love language is this, or this is what it means if you're a four, or you're a seven, or you're an eight with also the two kind of a thing. You know, and then they start rearranging their lives. Imagine, David could wake up one, one morning and have her husband totally rearrange how we're interacting with one another because last night I stayed at a Holiday Inn and I read an online article and I took an Enneagram test and so you and I, and we're going to have to do it this way and this way and this way. You know, this is one of the reasons, thank God, for small groups. You know, uh, last year, I believe, maybe it was two years ago, we had a, we had a love language of small groups. So you don't just take the test and read the little paragraph and then rearrange your life. 
thank God right now we actually have an Enneagram uh, small group going on. And, you know, so it's not about, let's just take the test real quick and, 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 uh, you know, and uh, maybe read that little paragraph and figure out what it is. We've actually got some, we've actually got some people that are, that are leading us, leading us those, those who are interested, leading them deeper into that to understand. Because, listen, here's the thing, okay? Here's the thing is, is these, these tests, they weren't designed. A lot of people think they're designed like they're building me a box so I understand who I am. And I'm going to live in this box because this is who I am. And if you want in my box, there's the door. Here's how you get into my box. And, but read the literature. <laughs> Don't just read the pamphlet. Go a little deeper, okay? Read the book <laughs> or get somebody that understands. You know, here, let me tell you something. If you're just going to take the little quick test and read the little paragraph, then please treat it like you do a Chinese fortune cookie. Okay, or whatever, please. And just read it and say, well, that was cute, and set it aside. Don't rearrange your life on the half-truth of what you got out of that few minutes. That's what people are doing. But, but, but dig into it and understand And If you want to go there and if you want to figure out how to make your relationship better, then don't spend a couple of minutes figuring it out. Go dig. You know, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard for a lot of my ministry, people that just say things like this. Like, like well, this, you know, I am who God made me and this is who I am, so... Deal with it. You know, I've heard people say that about their sin. You know, well, God made me want that kind of stuff and want to do that kind of stuff. So just deal with it because God made me that way. That's not true. In the same way with, with, with these personality tests and everything, you know, that now I'm hearing Christians say the same kind of thing. I'm hearing Christians say, well, that's my box. Deal with it. That's not what personality tests were not created to make us comfortable with who we are. Read the literature. Go deeper. You know what you'll find? You'll find them talk about developing better relationships, developing or, or, even, or even going beyond the, the, who you think you are. You know, it, it's, it's up. And is that up there yet? Yeah. Neither are the truths in God's Word. They're not, God's Word, the truths in God's Word are not to put you in a box because that's the way a lot of people look at Scripture. It's like, well, Scripture's telling me what I'm doing wrong. I'm this bad old guy right here in this box. Or scripture tells me what I need to be. I got to be doing this. I got to be doing this. Man, I've known people who are so still today bound by what they believe the Bible tells them this, 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 this. And they are so bound in this kind of a thing and they, and they can't get out of it. But then I read the scripture and, and you know what, what scripture tells me? Jeremiah 29 11, one of our scriptures. God says, I know what I'm thinking towards you. I've got plans, and they're not plans for evil. They are plans for good. I'm thinking about a future and a hope for you. So God is not looking at a box. God's looking at amazing things. He's looking down the road for you. He's looking at great things, a future, and a hope for you. If we're not careful, that's all we see, though, is we see that. And we think these, these personality tests were not created to make us comfortable with where we are, and neither is God's Word. See, that's the concern, is when, when I hear people misuse these personality tests, I'm worried they're going to do the same thing with Scripture. Is they're not going to dig on in and see what it's really saying to their life. they say, well, you know, I read that verse today, that, you know, did my Bible devote, oh man, I don't want to be mean here, but read my, read my one verse in my Bible devotion today. You know, and so I think it set out my whole day for me. Man, I hope you're going deeper than that every day. Somewhere, sometime, somehow. You know, because that's, that's what worries me is where we're going with this. I, I, I love, and I think this book is 20 years old now. I love how Max Lucado said it in his book, Just Like Jesus. 
He said, God loves me just the way, or God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. See, that, that, that's, where, that's where this begins, is this is where we are and who we are. But God is dreaming so much bigger than us, okay? And so we can't, we can't, we can't dwell in just half of the truth. We have to have the whole thing. And the whole thing is God does love you just like you are, but he, does, he loves you too much to leave you like you are. And if, you, you know, some of you spouses need to be saying, praise God for that. It's about time he fixed my spouse, right? God wants to. Keep praying and believing. He wants them to be just like Jesus. And he wants you to be that way also. Okay, so here's the third one. This is going to be even more, I think, I think probably some of you say this one's even more frivolous than the first two. The second one was more so than the first. I think it, the farther we go into this, the more frivolous we get. Because the third one is this. We have to deal in facts, not drama. Not drama. Yeah, I'm going to preach about drama here in just a minute. Not my drama, though. Let's be honest. How many of you would like to come here? I have to ask you about that truth thing earlier, about a preacher that had a problem with truth. How many of you would like to come every Sunday to hear a pastor preach about his drama in his life? Because let me tell you something. If I do that, the sermon's going to get a lot longer. Because <laughs> if I'm going to talk about all the stuff I'm dealing with, 30 minutes ain't going to do it. <laughs> you know, because I got all my drama, and I got all y'all's drama too. You know, and so dealing with all that, hey, if we're going to talk about drama and my drama, gloom, despair, and agony, that's a little throw in those of you who are old enough to know hee-haw, right? Or, 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 you know, or woe is me, and a la then, hey, it's going to get longer here if we're going to start talking about my drama. You didn't come here to hear my drama today. Guess what? Those people who you tr are trying to reach for Jesus Christ, they don't want to hear about your drama either. You know, we got to deal in facts, you know, and if we're talking about our drama and all that kind of stuff. Okay, I, I, got, you, I got, you some, got you some things right here on, on the screen, okay? Three little areas. Here's three little things just to help you. And I, I'm, I'm trying to hurry because if I don't, I'm going to go long. Here's three things to help you stay out of drama. Or if you're in drama, get out of drama, okay? First one is don't assume. 1 Corinthians 13 says believe the best. When someone says something to you, don't you, go, don't you go away and think, I wonder what they meant by that. No, believe the best, okay? I mean, I, I, half the time I've ever, I, I think half the time I've ever had to try and work out something between two, two people is because somebody wasn't believing the best. They were going back to junior high school drama, you know, assuming that I believe he meant that. If he didn't say it, believe that he didn't mean that. Believe the best so you don't have to live with the drama. If you're worried about if you're worried about what, that maybe he meant that when he said that, we'll deal with that in just a second, okay? But don't assume. Secondly, don't believe innuendo. There will always be critics of the truth. There will always be people who criticize, who, who want to ignore or deny what the truth is. Don't listen to the innuendo. Don't listen to people who spout popular truth. Who say, well, I believe that. You know, like I was saying earlier, you don't come here to hear what I believe, do you? I don't, want, I don't want to preach to you what I believe. Because I'll tell you, what I believe today, it, it might change tomorrow. Jesus may instruct me in a little better way to understand something in a, in a deeper way than I understand it today. I don't want to tell you what I believe. I want to tell you what he says. The truth that you can build your life on. So don't listen to innuendo. We have, our commodity is truth. It's not, it's not popular opinion. It's not, it's not innuendo. It's not assuming things that aren't in evidence, right? 
And then the third one is don't listen to rumor or gossip. Because you know what rumor or gossip is? It's people who have fallen, you know, they, they've, uh, they've fallen victim to those first two things. It's the stuff they say. Because they're assuming stuff, they start rumors. <laughs> or, or because, because uh, they've believed innuendo, now they're sharing gossip. So when you're listening to rumor or innuendo or rumor or gossip, you're, just, you're listening to innuendo. You're listening to assumptions that are being made. What we've got to do is we've got to get to truth. Man, we can't reach a world dealing with innuendo and rumor and gossip and assumptions. We have to stick with truth. This is our commodity. And it's so important right here. And Jesus gave us the perfect plan to get rid of all drama and to just deal with facts. i got to tell you something. The older I get, the more wise I realize how, how wise Jesus is. Yeah. God is really amazing. You know, I, I'll tell people, I'll give people some advice out of Scripture. They'll come back to me later, and they'll say, Pastor, that just worked. That was amazing. You're awesome, Pastor. That worked. I go, wait a minute. That didn't come from me. That didn't, I, I want you, that didn't come from here. That came from the throne room of heaven. It came from the one who, who created this whole universe. That's why the plan is so amazing that I gave you. Because it wasn't my opinion. This is what God said. But it's just so crazy. And, and the two scriptures right here I'm going to read to you. And if you will really embrace them, if you will bring them into your life in the way you relate with people, you will do away with drama in your life. And you will always get to the fact. Because it's not my plan, it's Christ's plan. Okay, so what do I do if I found out I, I, I hurt somebody's feelings? What do, what do I need to do? Well, here, Jesus tells us, okay? Matthew chapter 5, here, same place where we began, salt and light, Matthew chapter 5, same sermon. He says this, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember someone has something against you, okay, let's stop right there for just a minute. Let's get the picture, okay, because now Jesus is here when he's saying that, right? But he hasn't died yet, risen again. We don't have a church. We have a temple, okay? So we don't have the New Testament church. We have the Old Testament temple. You remember what they were doing? They would bring sacrifices that they would actually slaughter right there. They would bring uh, incense and things like that that they would present to God, you know, like with their prayers and with their worship. Sometimes there were times that we find in the Bible that they stood for hours and worshiped God or just stood for hours and listened to the Word of God being read in the streets. Aren't you glad you were part of a New Testament church instead of Old Testament? Yeah? So it's in this he's saying you bring your altar. Okay, so let's relate this to New Testament now. Let's get this picture. If you come to church with your offering, maybe it's, you know, your offering that you're going to give in the bags on the way, or maybe you're getting ready to go online. At PayPal, you're going to make your gift of tithes or offering to the Lord. Then you're, you come and you've got that. Or maybe it's like your incense, your prayers. Or maybe your worship. What does Jesus say about it? You come at that point. You're right here. You're ready. To, you're in church. You're ready for all of this. And then you remember somebody, you've hurt their feelings. What do you do? Jesus says, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Look at, look at, look at how he lays that out. What's the most important thing? You know, I, this, is, this, is, this is one of the things I think we bear out or that is borne out to us in our lives is the most important thing. You know, people want to argue what it's prayer, what it says. What, the most important thing is whatever it's time to do right now. 
Okay, so like right now it's time to worship God. Right now it's time to praise Him. Right now it's time to pray. Right now it's time to bring our tithes, our gifts, or whatever. It's, that's what it's time to do right now. But you know, did you see what Jesus said? But even though it's time to do that right now, if you get in the middle of doing that and you realize there's someone that's hurt at, hurt at you, stop what you're doing. Pause, hit pause right here. Leave your gift. Leave your praise. Go be reconciled. And then come back and offer that gift. Then come back and offer that praise. Then come back and offer that prayer for yourself or someone else who is in need. Then come and do that. This is so, it is so important for you to stay one and stay reconciled with your brother or sister in Christ that Jesus said, stop your worship even if you realize there's something wrong between you and another brother and go fix it. That's how, that's how strongly he feels about that. Okay, so, so then what does that mean? Does that mean so if, if I've hurt Brother Phil's feelings, i, I got to go talk to Brother Phil, right? All right, but then what if Brother Phil hurt my feelings? Well, then Brother Phil needs to come talk to me. That's what that scripture says, right? I mean, and so I'm just going to sit and stand here all swole up. That's from a couple weeks ago. Y'all remember that swole up part, right? I'm just going to stand here all swole up because Brother Phil's supposed to come tell me. He's supposed to come apologize to me. That's what Jesus said in that scripture up there in Matthew chapter 5. But he also said something in Matthew chapter 18. He said, if another, believe, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. So, so here's what Jesus is saying, is if I've offended Brother Phil, I'm supposed to go talk to Brother Phil and make it right. And if Brother Phil has offended me, I'm supposed to go talk to Brother Phil and make it right. Wait a minute. So what's he saying? He's saying whether I am the offended or the offendor. Either way, Jesus wants me to grow up and he wants me to be firstborn and go in humility and work things out and be reconciled. You know how, you know how that helps? You know how that works? You know why that works? Because, you know, because I also notice it said go privately. You know, here, here's, here's one of the problems is we want to talk to our best friend about it first. No, no, he says go privately. And go read verse 19 if you still doubt it and see how he says do this. Do this first, okay? But, you know, what we want to do is I want to go over here and tell Larry about how Brother Phil offended me. You know, and then so Larry, if I, I guess I need to talk to Phil. And so he goes talk to Phil. And Phil says, well, that, that's not what happened. And then Larry's got to come back and tell me what Brother Phil said really actually happened. And it's like, well, that's not the way I read it. And then Larry's got I've been in that circle. I've been in that one as a pastor, let me tell you. And, and, you, and can I tell you something? We'll never get to the fact with two people separated like that, one trying to be a go-between. The only way to get to fact, get out of the drama, and get to the fact is do what Jesus said. If I got a problem with him or he's got a problem with me, us get together and us work it out. We don't need anybody else. We got Jesus. That's all we need. And you know what? It works. And if, if you'll embrace that, if you'll put that into, your, into the way you deal with your situations, you'll, you'll say goodbye to drama now and forever. You will never have to deal with drama again. <laughs> Let me tell you, here's another way it works, okay? Uh, I, I, I'm finishing this. We're going to wrap this up. I got to throw the last one in. I, I had, I had, and I've had this happen other times too. The most, most awesome was one day, one day when somebody came into my office when I was pastoring. This was several years ago at another church. Somebody came into my office. And they started telling me about one of the staff members and, blah, 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 and all this and all this and all this. And I said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. 
have you talked with them about it? No, I hadn't talked with them about it. I'm so upset and all that. I said, well, okay, well, you know, he's just right down the hallway right here. Let me go get him and let's all get together and talk about it. And you know what? All of a sudden, pastor's not that big a deal. <laughs> big a deal enough for you to put a man's ministry in jeopardy, but not, a big, but not a big enough deal for you to actually go to that person and be reconciled to them. And you know what? It ended the conversation right then and right there. Because when you do it God's way, you don't have to deal with drama anymore. When you do it God's way, facts, fact, we can get to facts right here. I can tell it, that's not what I meant, brother, and I'm so sorry, Brother Phil. We can get to the facts right here in a hurry. Man, Jesus sure is wise, ain't he? He sure is wise. Okay, here, here, here's the why then. Why? Why is all this important? Why does any of this matter? Why did I stay home and not go to the beach for spring break this week to hear this message? Why is this important to us, Pastor? Why do we need to hear this about truth? Because truth's our commodity. Because we have a great ministry. We're not just doing church. We have a great ministry. In... Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us, the, he's given us now this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ. And in Christ, he was reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. That's why this is important. That's why we can't deal in popular truth and half-truth and drama because we have too great a ministry to allow it to be clouded by any of those things. We have to make sure we're standing on solid ground with truth because when I tell, when I when I tell somebody something, I don't want them to wonder. Like the little boy asked his granddad preacher, was that true? Were you just preaching today? I don't want them to wonder. I want them to know if I say it, I believe it's truth. I can't do that's why I can't deal with popular truth, half truth, or drama. It's got to be truth. You and I have a great ministry of reconciliation. And our commodity in it is truth. Let, let, here, here's the wrap-up right here. Um, let me, I'm, I want to say this as quick as I can, but I don't want to gut it where you don't get it. I think I might do that sometimes. So, so, so understand this. Salt and light have to make contact in order to have impact. Okay? Um, if you're going to use salt to cure meat, you can't just walk the salt by the meat and say, here it is. You've got to rub the salt into the meat. You know, you don't just take the salt shaker by the table and, and uh, say, here's the salt. See it? See it? And wave it. It's going to be all right. You want it seasoned. It, there's got, it's got to make contact. It light's the same way. You ever thought about that? Light is this thing that it doesn't make any impact until it contacts something. All right, you, you kind of got to go into the, 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 the vacuum of space to really get this, I guess, in a way, Right? But light travels through space all the time. But you ever notice when you look into space, how dark it looks at night? Y'all ever seen a star? <laughs> right? Okay. Y'all seen what's surrounding the stars? The blackness of space? Just utter darkness, right? You know? Utter and there's all that light up there. You know, we've got a sun that gives us daytime, 
But there's all these suns, these stars up there, and all that light is just going everywhere, but you don't see it. You know why you don't see it? Because it's not contacting anything. Not until the light touches something can you see it. You don't really see light. You see what it touches. You know, you're in the forest at night. You're shining a flashlight. If it, does, if it hits a tree, you see the tree. But if it doesn't hit a tree, you don't, you don't see the light, you know, shining. Okay, yeah, if there's dust particles or a wisp of smoke in the air, you might see it. But it's still, it's because it's making contact with those dust particles and wisps of smoke. So all those stars up there are giving out all this light. But nobody sees it until it makes contact. If we're going to change the world around us, we can't do it by saying we're light. We have to make contact. Now, one of, the, one, of the, one of the, I guess, regretful things, almost sad things to me sometimes, is think about all the light that that, that, that one star that I might see tonight, how much light it puts out. Because think about it. It puts light out in 360 degrees all the way around, but not just this way, this way, this way, this way. The, the, you know, those uh, steradials stero- st- or however you say that word, right? I don't even know how to figure that out, okay? The, the, the smallness, uh, the amount, that small amount of that one little ray of light that gets all the way from that star that is, that is how, I don't know even how many light years away from me, that the light that actually gets to me, it left there thousands of years ago, and it finally gets to me, and it's just that one little bit, but all that other, even the one that barely, just barely missed earth, it's just still going out in the darkness of space, and it may never hit anything else. It may never hit another planet, it may never hit a comet or a gaseous nebula or something where it has any impact. And it's, so, it's almost like it's so sad that all that light goes out and the only thing I see is that one little bit, except it's also so encouraging. It's to realize that that light has been traveling for all those thousands of years and all those millions of miles. And it passed by all these other, that never made impact until finally goes through my lens of my eye and makes contact with my retina it makes me just step back in awe and the wonder and the beauty and about how, the, how, how, did, how did God even come up with that? And in the same way with us, you know, we're not flashlights, turn it off and on. That's not who we are. We're like these stars that we're shining. And a lot of times it feels like nobody's paying attention to the light, <laughs> right? <laughs> Anybody besides me? Feel like you're shining and you shine. Think about that star. Shining and shining for years and years and years, and it takes all that time to get anywhere, and then finally it happens. And in that moment, when the impact happens, all happens. And what an amazing thing. That's how God uses us. you got to keep letting the light shine. No matter where you feel like anybody's being impacted or not, you keep letting the light shine, and eventually contact's going to be made. And eventually someone is going to be awed by the love of Christ that they have seen in you that came out of you, and something's going to change about that situation. That's what, it, but any of, the thing, any of those negative things that we've talked about today can get in the way of that light. And that's, that's why it's so important we make sure none of them hinder the light that we're trying to shine on someone's life. The light of truth, the light of love, 
even, even the light of our deeds, as Christ talked about in the very first scripture, to make sure our deeds are also seen. That's why it's so important. And if we keep that truth, if we keep that truth, we keep it pure, eventually that light is going to make impact with more than one person, with many people, if we keep shining that light and we keep the truth pure. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.